Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to your Bibles. Let's go to Luke chapter 5. Um, I've, I've had it in my heart to teach um, specifically and in detail on the healings that happened under Jesus' earthly ministry. Of course, our broadcast is called Jesus the Healer because we have a mandate to emphasize. This ministry has a mandate to emphasize it. And really, the body of Christ has a mandate to emphasize it. And so um, we want to look at there are 19 individual cases of healing recorded under Jesus's earthly ministry. Of course, multitudes and multitudes were healed But the Holy Ghost saw fit to only have 19 of those recorded. So evidently contained in those 19 is everything we need to know about receiving healing for ourselves and ministering healing to someone else. So it would behoove us to study these in detail because our thinking is, is that if we'll do what these people did, we'll get what these people got. So these were given to us so that we could be students of them, study them. And so I want us to do that. Now, uh, John recorded that if it were written all that could have been written about what Jesus did, the world itself couldn't contain the books. So certainly there were far more than 19, but evidently when the Holy Ghost saw fit to spotlight these 19, they stand apart. There is contained in them every truth that we need to see to become skillful in healing. It's not enough to know that healing belongs to us. We have to become skillful with it. You know, it's not enough to purchase a car. You have to skillfully operate that car. If you don't, other people won't appreciate you. (laughs) And uh, so another thing that it's so important, not just for someone in the ministry, but for every believer to emphasize healing, because we know this, Jesus went everywhere preaching, teaching, healing. That was the sum description of what his ministry contained, teaching, preaching and healing. And so that is not just for preachers. Every, every Christian should be able to teach, proclaim in the preaching. They should be able to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We, that is a mandate. Uh, We are commanded of the Lord to do these things. So we can't do them effectively and bear fruit if we're not skillful. So that's why I wanted to take some time and really dig in and study these 19 individuals. What did they do? What did Jesus do? What did others do? Where did these people go after they were healed? What were these people doing at the time of their condition? So I want us to look there uh, in Luke chapter 5. This is so, so important because there are people that are watching our broadcast or they watch online and they say, well, I can't be where someone can lay hands on me. Don't ever feel like you can't receive what you need just because you're not where a preacher is, a minister is. 
Um, Luke chapter 5 and verse 15 says this, but so much the more went there a fame abroad of Jesus and great multitudes came together. Look at this to hear, to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. It did not say that these crowds came to, to be healed. It says they came to hear and be healed. One of the keys to receiving healing and ministering healing is we've got to get people to hear. I know that, of course, my husband had for almost 50 years ministered under that healing anointing. And he would have crusades where he would teach night after night, day after day. And he would announce particular service that he was going to lay hands on the sick and people would invariably show up for that service because they came to be healed. But the problem was they didn't come to hear. They didn't come to a service that was teaching about healing. They just came for the healing line. Well, thank God for healing lines. I don't diminish that. But the word emphasizes that these people didn't just come to be healed. They came to hear and be healed because hearing is imperative to how you receive. And it's imperative to you uh, maintaining what you've received. So I, I wanted to spotlight that before we dive into these individuals, we need to we need to see that the people understood it was not just about me getting my miracle. It was about how do I cooperate with God? How do I keep cooperating with God after I leave the place where the minister is, you know? So they came to hear and to be healed. So notice this. They took time to hear. When we, when anyone needs healing, people will say, well, since healing belongs to me, how come I'm not healed? If Jesus provided it, how come I'm not healed? We have to take time to hear. Take time to hear. So we could say this, our healing is in our hearing. Our healing is connected to our hearing. So we could also say this, that hearing positions us for healing. You say, does that mean I have to earn it? No, it means that it puts you in a place where you're receptive. We're not earning these things, but we do have to be receptive to the power of God. We have to cooperate. We have to know how does God function? How does he move? How does he operate so that we don't resist him, but we cooperate? So included in this, it's so important to hear that when you hear proper teaching and no doubt Jesus wasn't just telling them that healing belonged to them. He was telling them how to cooperate with it. So uh, people who need healing, I would say this. If you say I'm endeavoring to believe God for healing, but my healing hasn't manifested, then I say to you, take time to hear. Don't just take time to hear any truth of the word, take time to hear healing truths because what you hear is what you're going to have faith for. It's not just random passages to read in the Bible. Find healing passages, find passages that teach you about faith and feed on those because those are the ones, the things you need to hear to receive healing. And so here we can see this in this verse that hearing always precedes healing. Now, 
<clears throat> if we could bypass the hearing and just go straight to the healing, that could have happened under Jesus's ministry. But it didn't even happen under his ministry because it can't happen that way. Yeah. So if there was anyone who could have bypassed the hearing and go straight to the healing, it would have been Jesus, but he didn't. And that's the point. He didn't. Because it's not just about people being healed. It's about people not losing what they've received from God. And they're going to have to know something if they're going to maintain and hold on to what God's blessed them with. No. Uh, now, no one would know how to believe to receive healing if they had never heard that Jesus was a healer. Yes, that's right. So if people sit in a place that they don't hear that Jesus is a healer, they won't have faith for that. <clears throat> they have to be in a place that teaches. So I, I say it's so important. It matters what church you go to. It matters what you're hearing. What about if you go to a church and you're hearing that um, God's, you know, you've made God mad and he's going to teach you something and he's going to put sickness on you. If you hear that, that's what you'll cooperate with. But because that doesn't come from God, it's wrong teaching. It's erroneous teaching. People think they're cooperating with God when they're really yielding to the enemy. And so it matters that we're taught accurately. And we would love to just, natural man would just love to run into a service when they need healing, just get in a healing line, be prayed for, and then it's all over. But Jesus wants more for you than a than an instant of healing. He wants a life of it. He wants a life of health. So to have a life of it, you have to know something. You have to know what the word says. So we need to embrace these kinds of passages when we see that they came to hear and to be healed. It's so important. So for anyone, those who may be watching, those who may be listening, if you're falling behind in he in receiving healing, then speed up and increase the amount of hearing. That's, That's, Amen. That's scriptural. Amen. Now, if you would go with me to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. And we're going to look at the incident of the blind man of Bethsaida. And we're going to read several verses here. Mark chapter 8 and verse 22. It says, And they came to Bethsaida, and people brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he caught the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked the man, do you, po do you possibly see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again, and the man looked intently, that is, fixed his eyes on definite objects. And he was restored and saw everything distinctly, even what was at a distance. And he sent him away to his house, telling him, do not even enter the village or tell anyone there. So I want us to back up to verse 22, and I want us to take it verse by verse. What is it that positioned this man to receive? So verse 22, it says, And they came to Bethsaida, and people brought 
brought to Jesus a blind man and begged him to touch him. So we can see this. Somebody had heard. Somebody had heard that Jesus was a healer. And they knew if we can get this blind man to Jesus, then we can get him help. He can get his answer. So here we also see a case of a blind man allowing others to lead him. A blind man can't see for himself where he's going without the assistance of someone else. So he must have agreed. He must have agreed that somebody, we don't know whether the blind man heard about Jesus as healer. We don't know if one of the people that brought the blind man heard. But either way, the blind man agreed with that Jesus must be a healer or he would not have allowed himself to be led. Right. So those who brought him are begging Jesus to touch him. Now, I think this is this is such a wonderful picture because they didn't come for themselves. They had compassion for someone. Now, if we look back and point to blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus had no one helping him. He was a blind man. He heard Jesus was coming down the road and he called out and cried out for Jesus to to stop with him. But when he cried out, the crowd told him to shut up and be quiet. What's that? No compassion. No compassion. Yet this case, this blind man has help with his faith. He had people who cared about him. He had people of compassion. It matters that we have compassion for people who don't know what we know, don't see what we see. This blind man didn't see what they saw. So they use their seeing for the blind man's benefit. And we could say that spiritually. When we see some things spiritually, we need to, we need to lead people who don't see toward the light that we have. So uh, they showed compassion. They showed interest in this man being helped. And they begged Jesus to touch him. Now, when we say beg, I don't believe it was a beg of desperation. I believe it was a beg of expectation. Because begging in doubt and unbelief will not get the result. This word beg does not imply that they were ignorant. I believe they begged with expectation. Because they had heard something, no doubt, about Jesus or they never, as, as being a healer, or they never would have brought the blind man to Jesus. So this is, as I said, in sharp contrast to blind Bartimaeus, who had no help. So it matters that you have people around your life that, are, that care about you, <laughs> that are interested in you, because there may be a time that you can't fully help yourself, and you're going to need the help of someone around you who cares about you. Verse 23, it says, Jesus caught the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. So there's still, when these people bring the blind man to Jesus, they're still within the proximity of the village. But Jesus took on the case, so to speak. Anyone who comes to him expectantly, he always takes on the case. He always takes on the case. He'll never tell you no. He'll never tell you later. He'll never say not now. He'll never say not you. He always takes on the case. So he took on the case and the way he took it on is he 
took this man by the hand and led him out of the village. He didn't lead them out of the village. He led him out of the village. People can bring you to Jesus, but once you get there, it's between you and him. It matters what you believe. And so they led him, Jesus led him out of the village. Now, this is an interesting thing. Why would Jesus do that? These people obviously cared for the, the man. They obviously had faith. They had some measure of expectation or they wouldn't have brought the man. So it's not like these are a crowd of doubters, a companions that are doubters. They believe, but yet Jesus still separated the man from him, from them, went out of the village. Why did he do that? Well, to know that we have to look at another passage of scripture. So go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Now you remember what town they're in, what city they're in. They're in Bethsaida. So Matthew chapter 11 and verse 21, and I'm going to read verses 21 through 24. <clears throat> Jesus is speaking and he says, woe to you, uh, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you, so there have been mighty works done in these cities, it, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have long ago repented in sackcloth and ashes and their hearts would have been changed. I tell you further, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to Chorazin and Bethsaida. He's talking to that city, those two cities. Verse 23, he says, and you, Capernaum, ah, why now he's brought in a third city and you Capernaum are you to be lifted up to heaven you shall be brought down to Hades the region of the dead for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom it would have continued until today wow. <laughs> what why did he single out Capernaum here is because that's where Jesus's ministry headquarters were yeah, yeah. they hosted him now, verse 24, but I tell you, it shall be more endurable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than you. So he's, he said, woe to Chorazin. He said, woe to Bethsaida, woe to Capernaum. So Jesus pronounced judgment on three cities. Woe to you. Uh -huh. We're done. Yeah. Nothing more there happens in you from the flow of this ministry. They... Why? Not because he's mad, not because he doesn't want to help them. They rejected. It was the choice of the cities to not accept and not receive what he brought. And so because of that, they made themselves a place inoperable for him to operate and function there. Not that he's withholding. He can't, he's letting them know, I can't function there. I've tried You've seen things. There have been miracles here and you still rejected the works that have been done. So it's not Jesus withholding. It's him saying, I am, you have made me inoperative here. So as a result, Jesus never performed another miracle in one of these three cities. As a result. Now 
it helps us to see this situation because this man is with companions in Bethsaida. And Jesus led him out of Bethsaida because this community doesn't have faith. You need a miracle and I can't leave you in the region of people faithless and you get your miracle. So it was a kindness that Jesus led him out. He so wanted this man to receive that he went out of his way to take this man to a region. So if we could say this, it does matter that there's faith in the in the regions you live. Bring the faith. Amen. <laughs> so <clears throat> because of that, this is why we see that Jesus led him out of the city. He wasn't trying to separate him from the companions. He had no issues with the companions. It's just that there was judgment on that city. And so nothing more could be worked. There are some places people cannot receive healing. Not because of God, but because of people. These, these cities were no longer a place. If you needed healing, you'd have to leave those cities. Because they would not permit power to flow there and respond rightly to it. Again, we have to understand this. This is not God mad and withholding. It is people rejecting. And their rejection, Jesus is notifying them, because you've rejected, we can't do anything more there. I can't, God can't, the Holy Ghost can't, we can't. So so these are kind of bold statements that there are some places where people evidently can't receive healing. That man could not receive what he needed there, so Jesus led him to a different place. There are some places, some churches, you can't receive healing. Why? Because they reject that truth. What will God do? He so loves you, he will lead you to another place. He will lead you out of town, so to speak. He will lead you out of that region. He will lead you outside of that church. Not because he's against the church, but because he wants you healed. And there have been times that when people decide to reject that God does not withhold healing. They refuse to allow him entrance. So not only can a church reject it, evidently a city can reject. So we see a city reject it, but I'll say this, a household can reject it too. Some, many people are raised in households that reject the truth of the word. You can't get healed there. You're going to have to go outside the proximity to move into the fullness of what God has for you because he has it for you. He's not saying you can't ever have it. He's saying you're going to have to find a new location (laughs) for your faith to work. Amen. So we would say this, how great is Jesus's mercy that he knew Bethsaida was not a community that would receive him, wouldn't receive the power of God. And his mercy was so great to this blind man. Come on, let's go. Let's just go outside the city limits and we'll still get it to you. Isn't that mercy, yes. right? Yes. What's this show? Jesus is showing healings for everyone. Yes. Healing is for everyone. And I want them to have it, but they have to follow me into a position where they can receive, where they can receive it. So I would say this, always accept the word, even if you weren't raised hearing that. Even if you were raised in a church that might not, didn't, maybe didn't have the light on it, don't just hold to what you've always known. 
<laughs> Once you see something in the word, accept it because then it can flow. So divine healing is a truth of the word. It has to be accepted. It won't just function and flow because it belongs to us. It has to be accepted. So, uh, as I said, these people that brought this blind man to Jesus, they cared about him. We have to love other people enough to want to help them. Amen. I, I, I love something I heard one preacher say, and he was talking to ministers, and he said, if you haven't received your healing, you've been believing God and you have not received your healing, he said, keep preaching healing. Because just because you haven't received doesn't mean others can't receive. That's good. That is good. Because sometimes we'll think, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't talk about prosperity because I'm, you know, I've got some debt. Listen, the word, the word is the word, whether you've experienced it or not. (laughs) And somebody else may be in a position where they can easily grab that and run with that. Keep feeding yourself, but also don't withhold it from others just because you haven't seen the experience of it. The truth is the truth, no matter. So, um, For our own selves, we not only need to love God, but we have to have faith to receive what he's provided. And we we need to love people, but we and bring them to God. But it's not just enough to say, well, I love God, so I'll be healed. No, you have to know some truth. You have to know some things. There are some settings that will hinder faith from working and hinder the power of God from flowing. Remember when Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead? The people there were surrounding her bed. She had died and they're wailing and they're weeping. Jesus came in and they're still weeping. Now they knew something about Jesus because Jairus brought him. Jairus knew something about Jesus. Jesus, What Jesus was doing was not in secret. (laughs) Those people that were weeping and wailing around the the deathbed of Jairus' daughter... They had heard of Jesus and they, he walked in and they're still weeping and wailing. So it shows they don't believe that something's going to change because Jesus showed up. So what did he do? He's got to change the setting. He's got to make the atmosphere different. So he dismisses all the weepers and all the wailers. And he puts them out of the house. Why? Because he's there to answer the faith of one man. He's there to answer Jairus' faith. And these people would hinder him answering Jairus' faith. So Jesus' mercy and love and desire to heal is so great that he will put out doubt and unbelief for you. He will put out or he'll tell you what doubt and unbelief may be hindering so that you can put it out of your life. Put it out of your way of thinking. Amen. Amen. So uh, when we're believing God for something, we have to step away from settings that would hinder us. And sometimes you have to get away from those you love. I'm not saying reject them. I'm not saying dismiss them from your life. But don't tell them everything you're believing for if they won't agree with you. (laughs) Keep that between you and God. If they're not going to add their faith to you, then just keep it between you and God. Amen. Because God wants us to receive and we want to receive. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Praise the Lord. 
We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.